Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Grow With Soul. Today I'm talking with Ali Lefever, the co-founder of the humour-based marketing agency Obedient. I was really keen to get Ali on the show because I knew that she could provide a really interesting new take that would provide a new perspective on all of our old struggles. We dig into using fun as an alternative to fear-based marketing and the science behind it. We discuss nuanced examples of humour-led marketing, we talk about what to do if you don't think you're funny, and we leave you with some really practical exercises to take away and start using to differentiate yourself through your copy and your imagery. So, let's dive in. Hi Ali! Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I mean, what time of the morning is it for you? <laughs> oh God, it's uh, midday. It's it's twelve o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm I'm alert. I'm spry. I'm alert. I'm awake. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm always worried about like transatlantic kind of things because over here we don't need to worry too much about time zones. So it just like never comes into our consciousness. So I've always just assume it's like really early in the morning in other places. <laughs> so I want to jump in because I think we've got loads of stuff to talk about with all things fun and humor and which is kind of a bit of a different story for um, Grow a Soul. But just to kind of introduce yourself to everybody, it'd be great if you could kind of tell us your story so far and about the business and kind of how this all came together. Yeah. Well, it's 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 so funny. It's it's a bit meandering. So I will I will keep it as short and concise as I can. I mean, ultimately, to tell you about where I am now is I co-founded an agency and our name is Obedient and we specialize in branding and marketing for businesses using fun and humor as I as our primary tool tactic and approach. And how basically I got there is that I had you know, when I when I got into college, I I wanted to be a uh, a psychologist because I got really excited about this idea of how the mind works, how do people respond and react to things, what evokes people, what catalyzes individuals. You know, I, I like found the mind so fascinating, and so I was uh, ready to graduate with a psychology degree and realized that that wasn't exactly. I'd done an internship at a rehab center for substance abusing adolescents realize, whoa, that's not the path that I wanted to go down. I think it's, (laughs) I I commend the people who work in that field, but that just really wasn't what I thought was, uh, you know, my interests were not fully aligned with that space. But, um, and so I ended up staying for another semester and, and banged out a second degree in communications. And so I started to see that some of these principles of psychology of really understanding the the customer experience and how to engage with your audience and how to connect with people it started to really like light me up and fire me up well i didn't go into marketing i didn't go into branding i didn't go into any of of that space i went into the uh w- weird and wild world of of the the consulting space and so i basically got to work with a ton of really smart people who were interested in solving problems and solving problems in a way that was unique and different and and effective 
And so I spent uh, about seven years working in that space. A couple principals that I had worked with at one of the firms, they jumped ship and they started a startup in Chicago that was the first to market healthy subscription box. And they they thought I would be a a good add to the team because I had a real genuine interest in customer experience. And I also used to have this very silly, weird blog that I kept that was basically just my like ramblings and musings about life. And so they thought, okay, so she seems to understand a consumer and she's a, a pretty good writer. So um, maybe she can come on as our VP of customer engagement and help us really connect with the audience and help shape our brand and our brand message and our brand story. And that was the first time I'd ever really played in that space. So I came on and helped them develop all of the um, the language and messaging of their brand. And the approach I took was levity and humor. Um, I found it was it was the most closely aligned with my personal style, but it was also, I found it to be a really effective tool for engaging an audience, disarming an audience, um, opening your audience up to a new product that they may be unfamiliar with and educating them in a way that was palatable and digestible and entertaining. And, and it was just a, a fresh way to, to connect with folks. And so um, I'm telling you all of this to get to the <laughs> to the end place of where I am today is is that kind of spiraled this this uh, branding journey for me. So I, after I left the startup, I started doing that work on my own and working with a, a handful of, of companies through different you know connections I had and working on their on how do you engage an audience through your branding and messaging. And what I kept finding is time and time again is this idea that fun works, fun sells. My best friend was also in a very similar industry and she was a copy and comedy writer and and we would just you know hash over projects that we were working on and we kept finding that the approach we took was fun and humor and levity and something fresh and different and unique and so we decided that not only does this feel good it is it's effective it is it it's a positive experience for your consumer it's a positive experience for the brand it has built-in brand recognition and um, building of a customer relationship and and we just thought oh, let's build an agency around this idea of fun. And so three years ago, that's what we did. And we have been doing that ever since. <laughs> so yeah, that is that is my uh, bit of meandering path to get to where I am today. <laughs> the whistle stop tour yeah, <laughs> through, yeah. through everything. And I think that's so interesting because personally, whenever I see a brand that's doing something, using humor or doing a bit tongue in cheek, it does stand out so much more because it is so much more unusual to see them kind of sticking their neck out like that. And you go, that's clever. You're always just like, oh, that is so clever. Yeah. <laughs> doing something like that. Yeah. And I, I think that that's the important piece is that all fun and levity and humor, it needs to be approached in a very strategic and thoughtful and smart way and you have to know your audience and know your goals and and know your end game and 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 be really mindful of how you show up to the market and that's the the fun part is that you go wow when a brand is willing to do that, it is so delightful and it is so surprising because most people, uh, they really approach branding and marketing from a very safe, uh, possibly mundane or and watered down place, or maybe it's very chaotic and meandering and there's no cohesive story or narrative. And then a lot of times people are being told to market using fear and that sucks. <laughs> it's effective and it works, but who the hell wants to, to really uh, prey on the insecurities or perceived inadequacies? 
of your audience in order to make a sale. I, I just don't think that that's a good long-term strategy, and it certainly doesn't build a uh, long-term value with your clients, and, and and it just wouldn't be a brand I'd want to be a part of. So, so we thought there's a there's a better way to do this all, and and let's make that happen. Mm, I think the fear thing is huge because certainly in the space that I work in it, it's something and I, I do think this is a, a slight issue with the internet generally is that we get to this very all or nothing place that it's kind of like I don't want to use any kind of uh, urgency tactics because I really don't want to tap into that fear and I think there's a place for it to be there but also I really agree with and understand why so many people who especially who are building their own business don't want to make people feel like that because they don't like feeling like that and they don't want to tap into the FOMO and and all that sort of thing. So I really love that you're positioning using fun as a as an antidote to that fear because a lot of the time it's it's all you really see to go on, especially if you're starting out, you're kind of like, well, that's what everyone else is doing. So should should I do that? Even though it feels awful. <laughs> Yeah. And the answer is no. <laughs> it is a big resounding no, but I get why people do it. I think it is such a common practice. And again, it it does work, but it don't, only works in fits and starts. It only works for a short time is because when you are trying to fill the the void within your consumer, they are gravitating toward your product because they need a quick fix, right? Is your lo- you, They need you to save them. They need you to fix them. They need you to heal them, whatever that is. But as soon as they realize that your thing doesn't fill that void or your thing doesn't fix that thing that they perceive to be broken within themselves, then they move on to someone else. So it is, you know, there again, there just isn't the the retention there. They aren't drawn to you because you energize them and excite them and draw out the best parts of who they are. They're drawn to you because they perceive you have something they need, and that's just not a good way to start a relationship. Mm. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more that that sort of very need want based kind of style of marketing it is so you just will spend your whole life acquiring new customers all the time just in a real acquisition kind of can't even think of the word but just constantly acquiring rather than developing relationships because you can't develop a relationship with someone you've scared to death (laughs) and then and then yeah they figured out that oh, maybe maybe I didn't need to be scared of that thing and I've been manipulated and nobody wants to feel like they've been manipulated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the thing that I think people maybe don't realize or uh, maybe just haven't, you know, they themselves haven't figured out a way to navigate is that you do need to understand your customers' pain points and their needs and wants and desires and fears. You need to understand all of that, but you can play with them. You don't have to prey on them. And that's a big difference is that, you know, it's It's not about disregarding or ignoring the things that are important to your consumer. It's saying, okay, we understand all of these things and we're going to communicate to you in a way that in spite of all of that makes you feel good while engaging with us. And I think that that is just an invaluable experience to to give to someone and and very rare in the in the uh, mm. world of marketing. I think that's a really important point actually because I think the the whole pain points in inverted commas gets lumped in with like FOMO and stuff like that and people like oh I feel uncomfortable about using that to get to somebody and it's not you're only using it to get to somebody if you think I'm going to get to that person like it's it's just 
understanding what's wrong with somebody how you and how you can help them overcome that thing it's not it's all in the intention just because you're thinking in terms of pain points doesn't mean that you're going to be an awful person in your marketing it just means that you are really thinking about that other person and how you can help them and as you say play not pray i think that's a really good little thing for people to remember. Yeah, absolutely. And and ultimately, the, you want your product or service to be a value add to your consumer. You want them to be endeared to your brand. So I think just the way we position our, you know, our brand, it matters so much is because it you are planting a seed in your consumer's mind of like, this is how you need to feel when you interact with us. And again, it's wanting to draw out the best versions of people as you draw them into your process in a very sincere and honest and transparent and engaging and entertaining way. And and I mean, I believe that you can take any industry and you can add uh, the right amount of respectful levity to it to make it more palatable and engaging for your audience. And and so yeah, that that's the fun part of the work we do is being able to work in a myriad of industries and figuring out how do we do this thing that has been done in one way, often either again boring or or fear centric, and we flip it, and uh, it's a it's a fun challenge for us. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of then perhaps what you learned through doing psychology, or or maybe just that what you've brought learned since you've kind of been working in this space and really focusing on it. Have you uncovered kind of any science behind how humor is working and or just what you found has is the reason why it's been working so well in marketing? Yeah. Well, aside from my psychology degree, which I would not paint myself as a psychologist <laughs> by any means. I have a, a, an undergrad degree in psychology. But there, there is some really interesting research about fun and humor that we really get excited by. And I think, you know, you're, hopefully your listeners do too, is there are three core emotions that evoke a, the response of releasing adrenaline into your system. And when you're releasing adrenaline into your system, you are essentially cementing in or locking in a memory in terms of what you're engaging with at the time of experiencing that emotion, right? And those three core emotions are fear, grief, and laughter. And so like we had mentioned before is that, yes, fear does work to um, lock in brand recognition and engage your audience and evoke a response. Grief does the same. Think of all of the, you know, a lot of the campaigns around Childhood hunger and uh, campaigns around you know animal cruelty and things like that, um, and then there's laughter, and laughter is the only one of of the three that that gets you to that end result, but does it in a way that feels good and is positive and is and you know can be an enjoyable experience. And so, again, like it it works. It's not just a, a cool thing to do or a good thing to do. It's that it's also very effective. Oh, yeah. See, you can't you can't deny with hormone releases. <laughs> yeah, you can't, yeah, we can't argue with the body. <laughs> yeah. So, what I'm really interested in is because I imagine there's a lot of people listening who are like, "That's all well and good, but I'm not funny," <laughs> um, or this I have a brand that is kind of whimsical or very serious or I need to be taken seriously and professionally how can I bring this into what I'm doing so what would you kind of say to that person 
Yeah, well, I guess I'll answer your question maybe in two separate parts. So the first one is we often get a lot is, but I'm not funny. And I think that it's really important to remember kind of one big broad thing is when we say fun and humor, it's not – fun and humor to us is not – necessarily belly laughs, rolling on the floor, a cramp in your side, tears are streaming down your face. It's this idea of being delighted and surprised by what you engage with in a brand. And so are they saying something unique? Are they saying something fresh, memorable, different than you anticipated? Do they make you smirk or smile or chuckle? So it doesn't have to be these comedic extremes. It can be just a very clever, punchy line that makes them go, huh. So that so and there are a million tones and tactics that that you can take with your brand depending on your audience, you know, the nature of your brand, the industry you're in, the goals of your brand. And you know, you can be more direct and bold and authoritative. You can be more simplistic and a truth teller. You can be very silly and goofy. You can be, you know, tell it like it is and and uh there's a self-deprecating. There's a million different ways to approach it with. Um, I think the other thing is that people often get caught up in this idea that I'm not funny, but it it more so two things really matter. One, it, it matters that what your audience needs to hear, less so about what you are. I think brands often come to the table and even personal brands with a very me-centric approach. I matter. My story is the most important thing. What I'm offering is the thing that matters most. And they forget about the needs of the consumer or the uh, emotions you want to evoke from your consumer or what matters to them. And so I think that you can take your style and you can shift it in a way that that becomes an enjoyable, engaging experience for your audience. And, and a lot of times that is just telling the truth or approaching things in a way that is different than what they anticipated and independent of of how roll on the floor, laugh out loud funny you are. And so it's really thinking like, how do I position my brand in a way that it can lend itself to notoriety and nuance and be and be different than what people expect to see. And then when we, you know, once you get that locked down, it's wrapping a personality around it, which if it's a, if it's a broader brand, it's, and it's not tied to a person, it's figuring, okay, what, how do I evoke the right experience and emotions in my audience? So what do we, you know, what do we need to say and how do we need to say it in order to do that? And if it's more of a personal brand, like a solopreneur, et cetera, it's saying, okay, what are the elements of my personality that I can draw to the forefront in a way, but do it in a way that is, um, unlike what other people have heard before. And then you had said something else that I cannot remember. <laughs> it was. I got so uh, tangential. But um, if you remember, I'm happy to answer part two. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think you kind of wrapped it all up in there, to be honest. It was kind of for people who are like, oh, but I should be more serious or I need to be taken seriously or I don't lend myself to, to humor. But I think absolutely what you were saying about it it's not belly laughs it's nuance and difference and uniqueness and I think what you say about being that we all come to the table as human beings with a very me-centric outlook and the more and more that I work with people the more and more I realize that actually the only key to marketing is learning to turn that around and to come come at problems with a customer-centric mindset and that's really the only mm-hmm. difference between people marketing and not marketing and I also think in a lot of ways when you do that when you're not thinking coming from that me-centric place it's a lot easier to release the pressure on yourself because it's 
you're not making it about you. It's not, oh, you have to be funny or you have to be serious or, you know, other people are going to take you seriously. It's just like, I am a conduit to my customer finding out this information in the way that they like to receive it. And it's not even any sort of reflection on me because they're only thinking about themselves as well. Yes, I fully agree. And I think it's a much more relaxing, stress-free way to approach your business is that when you take yourself out from being the centerpiece of the equation and you really care, I love what you said about being the conduit, then you start to really put yourself in your customer's shoes and go, what what do they need to hear? And how do they need to hear it? And how do I convey and communicate my message in a way that'll really land and resonate with them? And that is such a it's a more freeing and exciting way to engage and and it and again like when you can strip your ego out as as much as humanly possible it takes so much of that pressure off something else i would say too is that uh, one thing you mentioned is my brand is you know quite serious or the maybe the topics I'm talking about are quite serious. Well, uh, just to give you an example of a brand who is known for being lover or hater, known for being quite prestigious and more uh, posh and elevated is, is Goop you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, company. And they have a product that is a line of vitamins. And one of the vitamins is called Why Am I So Effing Tired? And (laughs) and I, I do not think that that vitamin line in any way, shape, or form takes away from the prestige of that brand or the notoriety of that brand or, you know, who their brand, that brand is at their core. What they did is they basically tapped into a customer truth and they communicated in a way that was really relatable. Is is that is the thing you say to yourself when you need a, a boost that something you're feeling a little tired or a little sluggish is why am I so effing tired right now? And basically they, they, took that and they they turned that into a product name and that was a, a, a very palatable thing for their consumers to hear. So yeah, there is room for levity and truth-telling in any industry if it's done in the right way. Yeah, I, I, that's such a good example because it is literally, and I talk to people a lot about holding up a mirror in your copy so that your customer can see themselves. And that is a literal example of that is that it'll be somebody scrolling goop and they'll see, why am I so effing tight? And they'll be like, well, that's for me. Yeah, <laughs> That's literally the words in my head. Yeah. yeah. So it's talking the language of your consumer, I guess, in a lot of ways and, and not trying to be formal or, oh, this is how people with businesses talk. So I need to talk like this. It's actually just talking as if you were kind of standing on a market stall with your customer or, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you want them to get you. You want them to um, be excited about what you're offering. And so they have to hear you in the words that resonate with them. And so if you can, again, strip away all of the fluff or all of the complicated language or all of the long-winded, flowery uh, statements that people are apt to uh, dump onto their websites and in their copy, and you really get down to the brass tacks and the bare bones and say that that thing is as simply and as and delightfully as you can, like that's when they that's when it really lands. And that's when people get really excited to get engaged with your brand. I'm really curious to know what's like one of your favorite 
projects or products that you've worked on that you're like, that was such a good line? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, one of my favorite ones we're actually working on right now and it hasn't rolled out yet, but I'll I'll tell you about one that we did work on, but we're working on right right now. um, We're working with the University of Chicago and we are uh, working on their new normal campaign which is basically the whole concept is, is they want to get people excited about participating in health research. And so with, with the goal of shortening the, the time between um, initial health research and finding a cure for various diseases and ailments. And so we're doing some really fun stuff with them that I wish I could share more. A lot of our, (laughs) you know, we have some really fun um, concepts around this idea of, of like helping in your spare time. And I'll give you an example of, of one thing that is out in the public space right now for them is, is um, one of our t- taglines for them. And it's really kind of the, one of the underpinnings of the whole campaign is the phrase, every little bit helps, H-E-A-L-T-H-S. And again, that's not roll on your side, laugh out loud, f- loud funny, but it gets to the core of what that campaign is about is like every little moment that you can spare and participate in health research can help us get one step closer to finding a cure. And so again, that's that's more in the vein of clever and succinct. And and uh, the, the idea is we want you to evoke the right emotion in the audience. So that's one that we're currently working on and we're doing a whole bunch of stuff for them. But one that we did work on that is a little bit opposite in terms of tone is we did, um, we worked with this company, their name is Joy. They are an almond nut-based concentrate. And basically what they are is they are first to the market, uh, almond nut-based concentrate with the idea that their product is one ingredient, it's just almonds, and it is a paste that you can pull, put in your blender, add water, and make creamy, delicious almond milk at home. I have some in my fridge right now. It's freaking awesome. And uh, the whole con- the whole position we built around their brand is this idea that you've never tasted almond milk before. And the reason why is that the stuff you buy in the stores, it's filled with additives and potentially chemicals and fillers and things that really take away from the amazing taste of pure, delicious almond milk. And then when you make the stuff at home, you lose a lot of the nutrients and vitamins in the soaking and the process of squeezing the milk through a nut bag. You don't get all the good stuff. And so the idea that they wanted to convey is that that you've never tasted it before because you've never gotten the best quality almond milk. Anyway, long story short, one of the campaigns we or we worked on with them was um, it's very uh, evocative. They wanted more of an evocative, punchy brand. And one of our uh, campaign lines was milk so good, you'll cream your plants. <laughs> so they loved it. They went nuts over that line. So that that has that has really been part of uh, some of the fun campaigns we've worked on and some web copy, et cetera. But that's, again, very different than Every Little Bit Health. So that's much more evocative a bit. Uh, it's got, you know, some sexual innuendo and undertones, but it, that's more of a make you chuckle, laugh out loud type of line. And that's the direction we took with them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so that's a really fun project that we were really psyched about. Mm. So I'm imagining there might be people who were, who were thinking, oh, I could do that. And then they've heard the examples and they're like, oh, that feels scary again now. Like, what if I do something and it doesn't land? Or like, how do I know if what I'm doing isn't <laughs> good? So do you often see people who are like trying to do this and it's just like really not working or like some common don't do this if you're trying to be 
inject more humor or more fun into what you're doing? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing, as I would say, is it's humor is not about shock value. It's about saying something in a way that's surprising. And it doesn't have to be, again, roll on the floor, laugh out loud. It's distill your message into a message that is different, unique, and unexpected. And I know that, that that's, a, that's a big, that's a tall, uh, a, a tall order. And that's, there's so much that goes into it. But something that you know, folks listening can do to start even thinking about things in a, in a bit of a different way. And so what we, we do this exercise in our workshops that can be really fun to help people start to think about what is their position? What is the thing that they want to be known for? What is the thing that they do best? How do they start to set them themselves um, away from the pack, right? How do they start to differentiate from the rest of the folks in their industry so they can so they can start to present as as new and different and and essentially you know better than their competitors, right? So one thing we we have folks do is make a list of the worst criticisms or insults that they could possibly receive as a as a business. You know, it could be around your customer service, your social media presence, the quality of your product, your service. Like really go hard on yourself in terms of what's the worst thing that you either have <laughs> heard or you could hear. And the idea of this exercise isn't, isn't to make you feel crappy about yourself. It's, a, it's essentially to help arm you with all the things you could potentially face in your industry so you could start to better understand the th- more of who you are and more of who you're not. And, and then the second part of the exercise is that we have folks respond back to those criticisms, like clap back and essentially go, here's what I would say back to them in defense of my business. That's not That w- wouldn't be where the creative stops. We wouldn't tell you to, to bite back at your haters as, <laughs> as your strategy. We just we want you to start to think in a bit of a different way. So an example, one example I can give you, so this makes a little bit more sense, is that we um, we were in a workshop one time and this gal had a product um, and we've now since worked with her, but just in this initial workshop, she had a product where she was pre-packaging uh, superfoods that you could dump into your blender. So they, they, they were like a mix of chia seeds and hemp and, uh, and, and a various other superfoods and powders that you, that were pre-made for you, you dump right into your blender. And one of the criticisms she had received was, why would I buy that from you when I can do that myself? And what we said to her was, yeah, you can do that yourself, says every person who isn't doing that themselves. Right. So like we wanted her to own her position in her industry, like own the fact that you're doing this for people who are not going to do this themselves. And so that's a really fun start to to copy and creative is start to really play on that idea is you say you're going to do it, but you're not. And, and, and again, like there's really, there's really funny, fun concepts and ideas that can extend from that. So one of the ideas we were joking around with her in that workshop is that, yeah, I'm going to do it myself, says every person uh, on January 1st when they're gung-ho on their New Year's resolutions, right? Like those aren't flushed out ideas, but we started to just help her think through like, what does this actually look like in practice? And so there's a lot of fun language and metaphors and messages that can come out of really starting to understand your your criticisms and pushbacks. That's just one angle to take it, but it, it is a it's a fun exercise to start to get you thinking in a different way about how to really uh, stand out and show up in your industry. Does that is that helpful just to start to think of it? Yeah, and well cuz I was thinking as you were talking, that's like 
another way into understanding the pain points of your customer right because like it obviously well I don't know obviously maybe she had thought about it but imagining that criticism helped her to see that you know well for some pe- people aren't going to do this they, they intend to they they think they're going to and then it just doesn't happen that is a pain point and you can and the way you've described it is literally not going you're not good enough to work out how to blend seeds together for yourself you're such a failure by this because you'll never be able to do it otherwise it's literally like hey I know you you know you come on let's let's get this together and actually get you eating some seeds like and that I think that's just a perfect illustration of yeah the different ways of doing it of thinking as you say, here's a here's a pain point, but it's all about in the approach to it. Yeah, and it is. It's a fun way to to shift the narrative that again you can play with that concept as opposed to preying on this pain point that you're now aware of in your consumer. And also it's another way to start to narrow down who your audience actually is so you can have more a more succinct message that you don't have to talk to the people who aren't interested in your product offering, that you can really hone in on the people who will resonate with, with what you're offering, who will uh, who will really feel heard and understood and called out in a, in a fun way of, of like you are speaking directly to them. So it, it helps you not water down your message by having to talk to everyone. You get to talk directly to the people who are for you. So again, that, that's just one exercise. We, we walk through a bunch of them, but um, that's a fun one that we really like. Yeah, I think that's precisely it is that so many people want to be able to talk to everybody, but you know, which which you're talking to everybody, you might as well be talking to nobody because like if that seed lady, (laughs) for a better word, um, if if she'd been talking to the people who are hitting the gym five times a day and they're blending all the seeds, like there's nothing she could have said to them and to the people who aren't doing that because although they're both kind of similar in that they are intentional about their health and fitness, they're on very different ends of the spectrum. So it's really an illustration in how much deeper to go with your customer because people think oh yeah I know my customer they're like age 20 to 30 like that that's not actually helping you (laughs) yeah and oh another fun exercise that folks can do just to start to get their wheels turning is what we have folks do um, is write down commonly used words in your industry or words that you find yourself using all the time and these words should be the ones that feel a bit overused and trite and repetitive and unoriginal and really dump those out there. It can be a little tough for people because they start to realize like all the things they're saying are are those words. <laughs> but spend some time with that. So like l- imagine putting it in one column and in a secondary column, start to write down things like, well, what's a metaphor for that? Taking word by word or phrase by fr- phrase, what's a metaphor for that? Or what's another word that means almost the exact same thing that doesn't sound as familiar? Or what's another way to say this that people maybe haven't heard as regularly? And so Challenge yourself to start rethinking some common dialogue or common just phrasing that you're utilizing and see if you can freshen it up. Now, I know that like 
again, this is what we do for a living, right? Like this is the thing that we have spent our, our lives getting <laughs> good at. So it can feel tough and it can feel challenging, but I really just encourage people to start to to have some fun and play with their business because you'd be surprised at what you can uncover and what you can do on your own, at least to get you a, a little bit of leeway and a little bit ahead of, ahead of the game, as opposed to um, feeling like there's there's nothing new or fresh or interesting I can say. Like, absolutely you can. It's just taking the time to, to think through it in a different way. Yeah, I, I really like that one. I think that's going to be a really good entry level exercise because quite often I read through people's things and there's words like if you're describing a product and you call it beautiful, like that word literally has no meaning. It might as well just be like, and <laughs> it just means nothing. Yeah. And actually, I, uh, for myself in my business, very rarely, I bet I'll have people sending me examples of this, but I really try not to use the word authentic because that's kind of got a bit meaningless in the space that I work in as well. And it, you, the word's not doing a job because people are glazing over it because it doesn't mean anything to them anymore. And I think that that's a really nice exercise just as a, just a tiny, tiny toe dip into starting to look at it differently and look at different ways, more nuanced ways to communicate. Because I think that we use sometimes those keywords because we want to look like we fit into our industry, but all we're doing is just blending into the background. And just a couple of different ways of describing things is going to be the thing that makes you stand out. And that's what everybody's looking for at the moment. But I think it can be hard to put your head above the parapet, but only heads above the parapet are the ones that are getting seen. Yes, I love that. And I, I love that you you use the word authentic. We kind of despise that word. It's just, it's become, I agree with you, it's become meaningless. The word we we like in its place. And we this is this is a, a really just a core principle for me and Lindsay, my my co-founder personally, is is the idea of integrity. Anyone can be, can use the word authentic and you can be an authentic asshole. <laughs> and to, to me, integrity is tied to something deeper. It's tied to a deeper morality, deeper values, deeper habits and beliefs and processes. And like it, it, it ties back to something tangible and real and consistent. Authentic to me is a little bit more self-centric, um, where integrity is much more mindful and thoughtful of the people you are impacting and influencing. So mm. maybe that's a, a good replacement word for someone who's overusing authentic uh, <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> mm. And I, I don't know, I might be wrong, but it might be really useful if you look at people in your industry or who you look up to and notice because I would I'd be willing to bet that most of them aren't using those same stock words or those common words over and over again. The people who are really standing out are the ones who and the ones that you might think, oh, they're so authentic or they're so they're so unique. They've probably just got some synonyms going. <laughs> That's yeah. enough to make them stand out. Yeah, some synonyms, or maybe they are using a metaphor or a, a, an example or relating it to something that is very uh, like an everyday experience people have and saying the same thing, but just in a way that is unexpected and untapped. And so, yeah, keep your eye out for the people that you pay attention to or the brands you pay attention to and see what they're doing different. And I think you will find that to be the common thread. Yeah, I love that. So many different ways in. I mean, where do you stand on things like imagery? Because I know we've been very copy heavy. And is it something that you'd bring into imagery and design? Or is it kind of not? <laughs> 
Yeah, no. I mean, we take the same approach when we're thinking about the visual experience too. Just like, you know, your your messaging and your in your core, the the way you communicate to your audience should be fresh and nuanced and different. So should your visual experience. Everything from the color palette you're using to the patterns and textures to fonts and layout and all of those things is there are a lot of copycat and regurgitated ways that people are branding their businesses and it it is very it seems very safe it's very overdone it's <laughs> and it no longer is catching eyes and hearts and attention because people have already seen it before so we do uh messaging and design for our clients and we always say to people regardless if you want to work with us or not really make sure that when you're looking at uh, designs and you're thinking about the visual expression and experience of your brand, that it feels fresh, that it feels different, that it feels new. Because if you are drawn to something, you're drawn to it because it is unlike something you've seen before, don't replicate that because it will not work the same for you. People have already seen it once they get to you. And so I just really urge people to be willing to step outside their comfort zone and and the box when it comes to their visual identity and expression as well. And again, that evokes so much emotion as much as words do. And, you know, there's so much power in in when people you know get to your brand for the first time, like the the instant experience they have with you in terms of the visual experience of your brand or the messaging experience of your brand, often they're either in or out. They either get it, they resonate, they are excited to learn more, or you've lost them. And so I just think all of those things matter so much. Uh, people, people think that folks do not make emotional, impulsive decisions, and they do. <laughs> and, and, and so I also think good design and, and good words, they say how, to me, um, this is my perspective. You can disagree with me if you'd like, but I think that they, the quality of those elements of your business to me reflect the quality of the services and products you offer. Even if that isn't true, even if you are the best service or product in the market in your industry, your your potential consumers who are not familiar with your brand will not necessarily get the chance to know that if their first reaction to you is that, oh, this seems like they didn't put time and attention into this element of your business of their business. I wonder if their other stuff is also not as good. So yeah, that's why I, I think like those initial touch points are just so valuable. No, I totally agree. Whenever I I kind of see people, <laughs> I'm like, well, if you can be bothered like to do this well for yourself, why would I trust you to do it well for me? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the kind of visual thing and the example that I always think of in my head that I try to be a kind of polar opposite to is that very kind of girl bossy, copper, marble, some sort of pink some sort of cactus um, and a laptop like that's just so stereotypical now that you do just glaze over it and I think that um in your imagery is the place to where you'll perhaps see some impact quicker because you literally you don't have to read something and be like huh that's good your eye is drawn to it and you're like there's something different in here and I think especially as our feeds and everything else is getting so much more homogenized, whether that's because of algorithms or whether that's because creators are trying to play it safe. Being just a touch different or having just a little detail in there that's different to something you might have done before is going to be the stuff that starts to draw eyes so much quicker and then get them onto your copy. Because I think you can spend loads of time doing all the copy, but if your photos are still what they were, you're not 
kind of telling that story consistently across the whole customer journey. There has to be the image to kind of draw them in and then read your great caption and then go and read your new sales page that doesn't say authentic on it anymore. I fully agree. Oh my God, you saying uh, millennial pink and uh, actus, <laughs> I just dry heaved. <laughs> it's like, oh man, come on, everyone. It, it was, it had its moment. It had its heyday, but it's, it's lost its luster now. It does still look, you know, visually pretty, but there's a difference between something looking pretty and something being impactful. So I fully agree that the visuals can, can um, overshadow powerful words and words that aren't effective or resonant, they, it doesn't matter how good your visual is. If, if they get there and they start reading and they don't have, they aren't engaged in what you're saying, then, you know, you're wasting both your dollars and your time and your creative energy and your consumers. Yeah. Well, I think that's a a really good sum up. (laughs) Um, So I think the last thing I'm going to ask you is the question that I ask everybody, which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life? I love that question. I think it's such a beautiful, important part. Something that is super important for us as a business is we are really committed to personal development and personal growth and really bettering ourselves individual in, as individuals in order to be the best visionaries and leaders for our team. I mean, my business partner, we hold ourselves accountable to a very high standard in terms of how we engage with each other, engage with our team members. We operate from a place of, you know, to, to the best degree that we can from a place of integrity and honesty and, and transparency and care and consideration and empathy. And we really expect that from our our team as well. We are very fortunate that our that our team are, are are all really just smart, creative women, and are so proud of the people we've amassed. Um, we are small but mighty, but um, just again very proud of those individuals. Me personally, my I guess my personal practices is I believe in a, a kind of a few key things. I am very prone to be a uh, a workhorse, and it can serve me in a lot of really great ways as as someone who is you know managing a business and and co leading a business. But I can often uh, get myself quickly depleted. And then the the version that shows up is tired, is creatively exhausted, it is frustrated, frustrated and just hard on myself. And so for me, it's really important. I just uh, just pulled together a, a, a gym in our basement. It is our basement is unfinished, but we have uh, we've cleaned it all out. It looks really nice for basement and we have workout equipment down there. And so every day I go down and work out for 25 to 35 minutes. When I'm down there, it's there's a lot of light down there. It's very quiet. I spend some time on my yoga mat just in a, I would say mindfulness, you know, it can it could lean into meditation sometimes, but really it's just this idea of stillness. And that's a really important part of the start of my day. I feel like once I get that right, then a different version of me shows up the rest of the day. So much of what we do is is uh, creativity and levity and laughter and positivity and, and making you know brands look and feel good and and for the consumers to experience that as well. So that is a big part of my life. I I have a really silly weird comedy podcast project with my co-founder. It has nothing to do with business and marketing. That is such a, a source of pure joy and entertainment for myself. I go to a lot of comedy shows. I watch a lot of 
comedy. I listen to a lot of comedy. I just really try to infuse my life with laughter in a myriad of ways. I feel like it it lightens my whole load. It makes the world seem not as heavy. It 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 just makes me realize what is important. Feeling good and laughing and approaching things with an air of lightness is such a is such a key part of navigating uh, life and just navigating business. And then the final thing I'll say is, you know, when it comes to business is uh, my business partner is my best friend and I'm very fortunate, but that doesn't mean that it's not challenging. It is like a marriage. We are married to each other. We have a more intimate relationship with each other than we probably have with our significant others. We spend uh, a thousand hours a week talking, creating, ideating. And I think the thing that we got right from the beginning is we committed to each other that we would always make the space that we worked in together feel very safe. So all ideas are on the table. We give each other creative freedom. We are very open and honest with each other, but very mindful and empathetic to how we engage with one another. We really try to approach one another knowing that we have each other's best interests in mind. So if anything comes up that feels challenging, we we try to be, to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable enough to navigate that topic. So yeah, so those are just some of the things that are are super important just personally and professionally for me. Perfect. So Ali, where can people come and find out more about you and the agency and connect with you and find out loads more stuff? Yeah, so we are obedientagency.com. Our handle on all social platforms is obedientagency. We get extra wacky on Instagram, so uh, <laughs> come hang with us there. And then me personally, I have a, a personal website, alliefever.com. Not a lot going on over there, but I am I am quite active on social, and that's uh, Allie Lefever everywhere, uh, every uh, social platform you can find me. Perfect. Thanks so much, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. You are wonderful. All the links we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Ali on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at obedientagency or at Ali Lefever. And that's A-L-L-I-E-L-E-F-E-V-E-R. As always, if you think you'd have a friend who'd really enjoy this episode, please do send them a link and share it online and tag where you're listening to. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.